Welcome to Arise Church, where we exist so you can experience God. We pray that this sermon blesses you, encourages you, and helps you to take one step closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning. You guys doing well this morning? Yeah. Come on, it's 11 a.m. We got Labor Day weekend tomorrow. Anybody working tomorrow? Come on, ain't nobody working. I don't know what we're going to do for food and other things, but I'm glad you're off and you're able to enjoy the weekend. Well, my name is Kieran Manor. I have the honor and privilege of being the Connections Pastor here at Arise Church, and I believe we're going to continue to experience God. Now, let's celebrate something. Y'all just saw a video about men's retreat. Now, here's what I love about men's retreat. You ready for this? Men's retreat is like youth camp for adults. Come on, like where we get to sleep in, bunks, play games, get real competitive. Um, true story, if he's listening to this, he'll know. This, this last year was the only time I got mad at Pastor Brent. <laughs> oh, I was angry, and he knew it too. We were playing basketball, and he was cheating, but he won't say he was. Um, <laughs> but that's what happened at men's camp. That's what happened at men's retreat. And so, men, as of, as of 9 a.m., we had 99 people signed up. Come on, somebody. And so here's the hope. The hope is that you would sign up to ladies, grab your guys, guys, grab your other guy friends and sign up. Price goes up tomorrow. We want to make sure that we get everyone involved. Not only that, groups launch next week. I love it. And if you want to be a part of a group, we honestly believe that life is better when experienced together. So go, grab a group, go head to our connection desk and grab a catalog and find a group that fits you. So we'll get started. And, uh, I want to play a game. Can we play a game? Yeah, can we do that? You said no? Get out. Security, security. Welcome to those watching online, too. That was a guy who needs to get out. Sometimes you have people like Let's play a game. The game is simple. We're going to call it which is easier. And so I need participation. All right? Can you participate? Can y'all participate? This is the group right here. This is the group right here. And so I'm going to put a series of images up, and you just tell me which is easier, okay? I would describe it the best way I can. So number one, which is easier, to change how you eat or to buy bigger clothes? <laughs> bigger clothes. Come on, look at me. Hello. <laughs> Y'all don't know, but my pockets are screaming right now. <laughs> okay, all right, let's keep moving. Which is easier, to, to save money or to... Have an excellent shopping experience. Which is easier? That's my people. Come on, my target folks, where y'all at? Good night. <laughs> There's a cheerleader squad over there for Target. Okay, let's keep going then. Let's keep going. For all my students in the house, all my students. So which is easier, to, to prep, study, spend hours in homework, or to copy your best friend during homework? We have a whole bunch of real people here today. <laughs> Before I do this next one, I have to share this story because this is super funny. Um, Eric and I were watching a movie called A Perfect Storm. Anybody ever seen that movie? Great movie, I love it. And so, you know, we're having a conversation, we're just talking, and so I look at my wife and I say, hey babe, um, do you think George Clooney is attractive? And so like, to my surprise, it was an overreaction. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> Yeah. I was like, what? What was that? She's like, <laughs> I'm like, yo. So this one's for her, okay? So for all the single people, which is easier to change your attitude or to change your boyfriend? 
That's for you, babe. That's for you. That's for you. Oh, let's, let's talk about that for a moment, right? Some of us have been in relationship after relationship, but really, it's you who need to change. <laughs> Last one. This is a little more, let's dig a little deep. Which is easier, to change the bad lifestyle that you're living or to change how people see you, let's say, at church? Which is easier to change? So let me ask you this question then. Why is it so hard to change? Why is change so hard? Like, why is change so hard? Facts, people don't normally want to do it. Like, change is hard. Like, we've heard the word change said, we've seen it. Like, wherever you may be, change is difficult. And even in our life, we notice the difficulty of the difficulty of change, and I, I, I wonder if, if, if we want to change here, because we all have a desire to change. There's, there's something inside of us that we're striving, that we're hoping. We want, we want to change something in our life, whether that involves abandoning, like a, abandoning a, a bad habit, or maybe improving on a new skill, or, or, or maybe doing something you've never done before, none, where, whatever they may be, we all want to change. We want to change, but change is hard. Let, let me give you a definition of change, because let me just give you a definition. I know it's early, and some of y'all, some of y'all did float in here, so you guys are good, but other, other, for everyone else, let me give you a definition of change. Change is being different. Oh, whoa. <laughs> change is the act or instance of becoming different. Changing. Whether it's big or small, there is this desire inside of us to change or transform or, or alteration. Whatever word you may choose is difficult. Whether you're, taking, you're, you're, you're trying to change from public transportation to Uber or you're trying to change how you eat. Come on, anybody trying to change how they eat? For some reason, I'll be, I'll be at McDonald's in, in Friday mornings all the time. I have no idea why. I have no idea why. I'm trying to change. Help me. God, help me. Whether you're trying to change where, how you live, we're, we're, we're always trying to change. We're always trying to change. So let me, let, let me continue to dig here because here's where I, I want to pause for a moment because if you're a Christian, watch this, this is even more important because change is more important. Because, for example, how do you know I'm a Christian? Don't say I'm looking at your heart because you can't see it. Don't lie. <laughs> Stop playing. We all... We all Man, we judge in a guy's, I'm just, I know his heart. No, you don't. You know what I want you to know. Come on. We walk in here, we show what we want people to see. So why is change so important? So that you know. What did Jesus say? Do all these things so that they may know you are my. <sighs> because some of us are saying one thing and doing something completely different. Jesus, as a life of a Christian, is saying, hey, change has to be marked by doing the same thing over and over and over again. That's why today I want to talk to you about the power of consistency. Somebody say consistency. consistency. Say, look at your neighbor and say, are you consistent? consistent. Look, at your number, look at your other neighbor and say, he didn't brush his teeth. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Gosh, it's a joke. Consistency, the power of consistency. 
And so in the, in the life of a believer, watch this, change is the meaning of salvation. When you were saved, why were you saved? You were saved because Jesus Christ lived a perfect life at 33. Hey, he lived a perfect life, sinless life, a life that you and I try to, but we can't simply attain. And he died on the cross to satisfy God's judgment and wrath on you and I. Ugh. And then if you put your faith in him, if you put your faith in him, the life that you live becomes what he did. And that's change. But there's this tension, there's this struggle, there's this pull between the old self and the new self. Like one day you're reading your Bible singing, what a beautiful name it is. What a, I, look like a, I look like a voice to men right now. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. Like, we're singing, we're reading, and then the next moment we want to punch the dude that cut us off in the public's line. We want to yell at somebody who cut, off, cut us off in, during traffic. We, we, we're battling between the old self and the new self. And so let me ask again, why is change so hard? Let me rephrase it. Why is it so hard to stay changed? Why is it so hard to stay changed? It's difficult, ain't it? It's challenging. Because, again, the mere mention of change makes us feel uneasy. It's like, ah, oh, change, oh. You get the goose pimples or something. Like, I don't know what's going on. Change is just, it's uneasy. And what, what tends to happen is change can be associated with fear or risk. What do you mean? Well, hear me. If you have nothing going good at home, but at work, you have a coworker who's showing you what you're lacking at home. Oh, let's put this into practice. And so now, for me to change that bad habit, that means I'm going back to feeling empty. Instead of resolving what you have at home, it's easier to stay where you're at. You're a father, and you're not doing the things that a father should do, and you see it. But like, the risk of, oh, but I'm working overtime, and I'm making that money. But the risk, and so there's this negative perception of change. And so there's this, there's this psychologist that put this study out, and I love it because he puts the study out, he talks about change as, as in five stages. I wanna briefly go through those five stages real quick so that we can, again, continue to grasp deeply what this is, going, where we're going today. He talks about, number one, that we all go through this, what's called pre-contemplation stage. That means we, we identify that there's something wrong, we see that there's something wrong, but we make no conscious effort to change. You ever see, you ever see something wrong in your life? You're like, mm, maybe next year. <laughs> Come on, that happens every year, New Year's Eve. Come on, somebody. <laughs> no? Like, ah. Uh, uh. I'll eat right next year. I have a, I'm busy right now, I'm stressed. I'll eat right next year. No, 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 it's, it's this idea where, where it's, it's a pre-contemplation. We're like, okay, I see the issue, I identify it, but I'm not gonna do it. And then we go to stage two where it's the contemplation stage is where now you know that this needs to happen. 
This needs to happen. Your bosses come to you and say, hey, if your attitude does not shift, you are fired. Like, oh, mm, this needs to happen, but still you're not ready to change. You're not going to tell me what to do. Uh-uh. You're not the boss of me. You may be the boss of my money, but not the boss of me. Hello. And so you see the need to change. You want to change, but then you, you're, not, you're just not ready yet. And then goes to the preparation stage. Now you come to the point where they're like, you're about to get fired. All right, who do I talk to? Come on, HR, who do I got to talk to to make this right, right? Now you're, trying, you're making plans. You're setting forth in motion what you have to do in order to change. And then you go into the action stage. And this is where you start to implement the things that you need to implement. And here's the truth. This stage takes the most amount of, most amount of effort and commitment. And in this stage, it's very delicate. You know why? Because when we mess up once, we quit. When we, when we don't see the results tomorrow, we quit. And then what, what the doctor says is this, this, these stages aren't linear. Like sometimes you'll go from five, 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 one, 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 three, 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 four, four, four. You'll just keep back, back, bouncing back and forth. Because after, after action stage, there's now there's number five, the maintenance stage. This is where you have to sustain, sustain over a long period of time. There are studies that show that people won't actually change until six months later. That means you've got to go to gym consistently for six months. That means you, you have to, there, there, there was a tension in my marriage I, I just, there are certain things I wasn't doing right. And thank God, 10 years later, I'm still not doing them right. <laughs> but I'm, I'm better. I'm better. It takes time. It takes time because sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes there's challenges. Sometimes there's this inter-resistance that we go through. And so he talks about these stages. And what's interesting about these stages that he talks about, he says, this is the wrong perception that we have. The wrong perception is this, that we view change as a singular event. Just because you come to church today don't mean you're a Christian. Man, let me stop. Let me stop. Just, be, just because you go to gym once don't mean you're a body lifter. Just because you ate one healthy meal, one salad, doesn't mean you're a healthy eater. I see you posting on Instagram, mm, hashtag health life. No. Like, change is consistency. He, he refers to this. He says there, there is this, this misappropriation of the idea of change. Matter of fact, there's an author named James Clear. He wrote the, the book, the New York bestseller, Atomic Habits, and he says this. I love what he says. He says this change is accumulating in small but consistent habits that ultimately led to the results that were unimaginable when you started. Man, I, man, I, could, never, I, could, never be, I could never be a leader, but one, when you start putting practice of leadership over, over, over time, you'll be like, wow, I, I can't believe I'm over here. Man, I can never be, I can never be the, the father or mother that God has called me to be. When you start putting little practice over and over and over and over again, you start to see that, oh, man, I, I never thought I could be here. That's what change over time is. Change is not a singular thing. Change is a process. Change happens over time. Change is this gradual of small habits, small decisions, small choices that take place and build and build and build. This is known as a compound effect. I'm going somewhere. 
And so change is not a singular event. It's because you sing one song don't make you the best Beyonce or don't make you carry, I don't know any song name, I don't know. Erica, hello, come on. Yeah, brownie points. Yeah. Yeah, I know what I'm doing up here, yeah. So here's, here's what I want, want us to see. I want us to see that this is the crux of what we're talking about today. Change is sustained by consistency. Change is, cons- is sustained by consistency. The power to stay change is found in consistency. So here, let's go back down here. Now, for Christians, watch this. This is why this is important to you and I, because we don't often operate in the same amount of grace that God does, because God knows our heart, man doesn't. And so let's say you walk into Walmart and you, look, you, see, you see myself, let's say you see me, and I, I go to the register and I'm like, hey, can I get a pack, of, a pack of Marlboro? You automatically will judge me. That's not a Christian. Look, look at him, smoking that tobacco. Like, <laughs> we, 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 we do this, don't we? we? We do this. We see something, we see something that's inconsistent, that, is, that goes with God's character and his word, and we, we say that's not a Christian. But what God's saying is, hey, look, you have to do, not live a perfect life, but live a consistent life for your benefit, for the world's benefit. This is why it's so important that like when, 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 we're so, when we're so against certain things, people are like, oh, that's too hard. No, no, no. God says, hey, be holy for I am holy because that is how people see that you belong to me. And so look, this is vital for us because here's the truth. I want you to hear, here's the truth. Inconsistent Christians, watch this, are Christian inconsistently. You, you want to you talk to talk, but you, you can't walk to walk? Everyone sees that. We, we see that. So change in, for, as a believer is vital that we remain consistent. I didn't say perfect. Watch that. Because a lot of us begin to be like, okay, now I have to be perfect. How do I do this? No, no, no. I didn't say perfect. I said consistent. I said consistent. So the question is, how do we do this? How do, we, how do we do this? How do we stay changed? What are we staying consistent to? Man, if I had time, I can go over, we can talk about what happens when motivation goes. What happens when motivation goes? There is this, there is this idea called mental exhaustion, meaning when you, you're, you're, you're considering, you're pondering, you're thinking so hard, oh, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, and then eventually you're gonna quit. Here, let me tell you this. There was a study done on students um, years ago, a study done on students, and they put, they put half students, they gave half uh, um, of them radishes. Ew, gross. And they, they gave the other half cookies. Yay. And they said, hey, eat all this. And so they ate it, and they came back, and they gave each section, each group, a puzzle, an unsolved puzzle to solve. And what the study showed is that the, those who ate the radishes quit after eight minutes. But those who ate the cookies quit after 18 minutes. And what that tells me, it's easy to do what's comfortable. It's hard to do what's correct. And so as a Christian, how do we stay changed? What does the Bible say? 
Well, let's look at this. Turn with me to John chapter 15. We're going to look at verses 1 through 11. I'm going to read quite a bit, so I, I, want, I want us to get the fullness of this. We don't have time to go over all of it, but we'll talk about it a lot. This is Jesus writing to his disciples, and he says this in verse 1. If you're there, say, I'm there. there. If you're not, say, hold up. <laughs> it's on the screen. It's on the screen, so you're good. <laughs> John chapter 15, verse 1, it says this. I am the true vine, and my father's the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do everything. What? Apart from me, you can do some. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Whoa. That is counterintuitive, ain't it? I'm independent. I can do all I got to do. Uh-huh. But Jesus is saying something different. He says, apart from me, you can do, you can do nothing. Then he continues. He tells him this. Oh, yep. If you do, it's on the screen. Someone said it's on the screen. You guys are funny this morning, huh? Continue, he says, if you do not remain in me, you are like the branches that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my Disciple, as a father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will also remain in my love, just as I kept my father's commands and remain in his. I have told you these things so that, your, that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Remain in me. Jesus is about to be crucified and killed cruelly for no reason. Well, the ultimate reason is for you and me, but at that time, they had no just cause. So Jesus is telling his disciples, and what Jesus loved to do at the time, he loved to use metaphors and symbols. And what's unique about this portion is when Jesus is talking, he's using metaphors and symbols that mean nothing to us. If I walked up to you and be like, I am the true vine, You look at me sideways, right? You probably think I'm cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. But he looks at the Israelites, the, the hearers, the people who are listening, they would have understood this. Because in ancient time, back in the old days, when the, when the people of God heard that they were a vine, they would identify as themselves. Matter of fact, there's a psalm that tells us that when he drew us out of Egypt, he picked out his own vine. And so they'll be like, oh, oh, Jesus is talking about me. Okay. You, matter of fact, you and I are the same, right, Jesus? You the true vine, I'm the true vine. We're all the true vine, right? Wrong. Because they would have known 
they always messed up with God. It's crazy. I've never met a group of people that when God did something good for them, they would complain. I never met a group of people that were just unfaithful all the time. I never met a group of people that doesn't sound any familiar to us today, does it? They, they could do nothing. They were always failing. They couldn't be what God called them to be. They couldn't do what God has asked them to do. And Jesus is letting them know that I am what you could not be. And I love it. Under the banner of failure, Jesus is letting the people know that I got your back. This is the gospel. This is the, the gospel is that Jesus came to do what you and I could not do. That Jesus is sufficient enough. That Jesus is worthy enough. That he's strong enough. That he's mighty enough. Oh, come on, somebody. We have to understand that Jesus is preaching the gospel with vines. So he looks at him. He says, I am the true vine. He says, I'm the true vine. I'm the true vine. And you are the branches. And so what Jesus wants us to understand and, and comprehend, watch this, is that he's everything that we need. He's everything that we need. But the tension is can we consistently believe that? And so if you get to this part of the text and, or the message, you're like, all right, what do I got to do now? Give me a list of things to do. You've missed the point. The point is he is everything that I need. He is everything I need. So what I got to do, I have to fight to stay close to him. I got, like, we got to fight to stay close to Jesus consistently. This is why Jesus would tell his disciples. He says, hey, if you want to be my disciple, pick up your cross and follow me daily. Every single day. Don't you wish it was just one day? Don't you wish you can just pray for the whole year and you set? No, it's a grind every single day because we have to kill what this, we have to, we have to crucify, suffocate this, the, the wrong inside of us. And so here, we, we have to fight to stay close because if we believe that if we stay close to Jesus and that he's everything that we need, this is what it means in our life. Three things, this is what it means real quick, briefly. Number one, it means that he'll pick us back up. Verse 2, I love it. Verse 2 tells us this simply, that he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Isn't that an encouraging verse? He cuts you off. Cut. Matter of fact, there, there, there were some very smart, smart, smart people back in the 19th century that believed that this means that God was going to throw you in hell. This particular verse. Get out. Give. Not really. Here, let me, sh let me show you this. This is, this is a picture of a vine, right? Um, and I, I did more study on this than I wanted to. <laughs> and so if you know more about it, don't hate. And so you have the trunk and you have, you have what's called the cauldron and then there's these spuds that, that come out and then out of the spud there are these buds that produces fruit. And so what happens is oftentimes the vine would grow, 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 but they would miss They'd miss the foundation that they're laying on, and as you can see, there are some vines hanging. You with me? Yeah. And so what's interesting is, in verse 2, 
What Jesus and what many, what many scholars and translators have a hard time of doing is properly translating the word that it means because the word that is used does not mean to cast away. Matter of fact, the translation, a more accurate translation, translation would be to pick up. And so what, what the gardener would do, and he would take those vines, put it back where they belongs so that they can bear fruit. So here's what that means for you and I. That means when we fall and mess up, God will pick us back up. And like, you have to understand because this, this let's dig a little deeper because it's, it's not the action, it's what's beneath it. And so yes, yes, you're watching things you shouldn't be watching. Yes, yes, you're talking to people you shouldn't be talking to. But God is, God is going deeper and finding the person that felt shame when his father left him. And so he's picking you back up. You can't, you can't, you can't accomplish that through all these actions. He, you have to stay close to the person that is everything that you need. And it, when you do that, you know, okay, I messed up. And the problem with Christianity, the problem with Christianity is this. When we mess up, we think we're done. Like God forgave past, present, and future sins. So if that's the case, he's never surprised or scared of your sin. And if he's never surprised or scared, that means you and I are always secured in him. He'll pick us back up so that we can bear fruit. But we have to fight to stay Close because change is sustained by consistency. You notice it's hard to get back up when you're further away from Jesus. God, I'm stressful at work. It's hard. I go home, I have a little too much to drink. Now I'm intoxicated. Okay. Mm. You don't love me anymore. I, man, I'm a hypocrite. Nobody's going to want to do that, so I step further away from Jesus. But God is saying, no, 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 go closer to me, because that's where the power is. Like, it's funny to watch my kids do kid things. And so I'll tell, I'll tell my kids, I'll say, hey, hey, um, True, Mila, plug my iPad in. Okay, Dad. They'll plug that in. And I come back, it's dead. My like, baby girl, I asked you to plug the iPad in. Oh, dad, I plugged it in. Yeah, but the other part wasn't connected to the source. <laughs> There's no power. That means you can say all the Christian stuff, but if you're not close to Jesus, there's no power. You can do all the Christian acts, you can, sit, you can do all, but if you're not close to Jesus, if you haven't been sitting in his presence, change will not happen and you'll stay down. And that's, and that's, here, let me encourage you. Do not live defeated because you're already in victory in Jesus' name. So don't stay down. No, get close because he'll pick you back up. He'll pick you back up. He'll pick you back up. Change is sustained by consistency. So we get to the second part of this verse, and I'm be, can I be truthful with y'all? I hate this part. He says, Jesus says, while, <laughs> while those who bear fruit, we prune. Another word for prune is cut, trim, torture. 
And so if, if we believe that staying close to Jesus and we believe that he's everything that we need, then we have to also believe that he will, he will grow us. There are texts like James chapter 1, verse 2, where it tells us, consider pure joys, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, you're like, whoa, wait, what? Why? Because suffering is part of the Christian life. Like, Jesus looked at, looked at the world and said, hey, in this world, you will have daisies. No, trouble. But take heart, for I've overcome the world. And so, like, like, I used to always get mad at my, my, my coach, my high school coach, because he would, he would always, man, it bothered me. He would always, always, I mean always, have the starters do extra work. So one time I walked up to the coach, like, coach, man, coach, ease up a little bit. He's like, no. Then he would always, rec- like, recite this Jerry, this Jerry Rice quote. It says this, today, today, I will do what others won't so that tomorrow I can accomplish what others can't. So the, the seven years that you spent fighting for your marriage that felt like a living hell, now that's been restored and you've grown, not, not she, not, not he's grown. It's easy to be like, it's God changed her. No, 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 God's trying to change you. Now you're able to help other people who feel like it's hopeless who feel like they can't make it, who feel like it's, there's no end. Today, I'm going, to, I'm going to endure and suffer. Why? How can I endure and suffer? Because I'm close to him. Like, when we go through tough times, remember, Jesus is everything that we need. So he may not be able to fix what's out there. Let me say it this way. He may not choose to fix what's out there, but he's definitely going to fix what's in here. And so I'm sitting... I'm sitting there, if I'm going through tough times, I'm like, okay, Jesus, I'm going to cry because sometimes pruning is just surviving. It's just lasting long. It's just being in that job for another three more years because God has something better for you. It's just, it's just sitting here in this crazy world because God will bring reformation. It's just lasting and trusting that he is going to grow me. I've been through... I'll say it this way. This is how Winston Churchill said it. He said, if you're going to go through hell, keep going. I had the worst six years of my marriage in my life. I would never do it again, but I'm glad that it happened. Understand this. You don't ever accept what happened to you, except that you can't change what happened to you, and that you can grow from it, and you can learn from it, and you can, you can do all the, the inner restoration that you need to do, but there's something you're going to learn as you go through. Jesus will prune those who bear, who bear no fruit. Galatians chapter 5 gives us the, the fruit of the Spirit, and I said fruit, not fruits. We want to pick which one we want today. I'm going to do gentleness, <laughs> uh, patience for tomorrow. Tuesday, I'm definitely going to need joy. I'm, no, 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 no. It's, it's fruit. That means if you don't love, you really can't be patient. 
If you're, if you're not patient, there, there is no long suffering. There, 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 if, if you don't have gentleness, how can you be kind? No, no, it's one fruit. That's why we stay close to him because he's saying, hey, I'm going to prune you, trim the people that need to be trimmed out of your life, cut the things that need to be cut out of your life so that you can bear more fruit. You can be more loving. You can have more joy. You can find more patience. You can do all the things that I've called you to do. But you have to stay close to him. It's vital. It's important. It's crucial that we stay close to Jesus. That's why Jesus repeats the phrase, remain in me, 11 times. He could have said it once. Remain in me, abide in me. This phrase is a continual action. It doesn't stop. You keep doing it over and over and over and over and over again. Like, don't stop. Don't miss the point. Because I have not told you what to do. All I've told you to do is stay close to Jesus. Because this is where we get it backwards. Third observation, final one, is because we can trust that Jesus is everything that we need. We can do more. I've been married again for 10 years. When I first got married, I came into the marriage with a whole bunch of baggage. One of the things is like I, I grew up in a home with three boys and my sister's here with us, so she knows. And so we, we did boy things. So one of the things we did is that when we took a shower, we would leave the curtain open, just leave it, the shower curtain, just leave it wide open. And then the fan, we never use the fan. Any, anybody, fan, any fan users in the house? Yes. No, no. You guys, there's grace for y'all, but other, all my other people. We didn't use the fan. And so when I got married, Erica didn't have many pet peeves, but that was one of them. And she'd always do it passive aggressively. So like she'd walk by and I'd be in the living room and I'd hear, shh, I got it. <laughs> and so in marriage, there are moments of, tension, there are moments of distance, and so in marriage, like when I'm having trouble times really, really feeling it for Erica, I don't sit back and be like, okay, man, me and Erica are struggling right now, so I'm not, I'm not feeling it. I, I don't really love her like I should right now. Oh, you know what? I got it. I got it. I'm going to pull the shower curtain open, and then that'll make me love her more. No. So why do we do that with God? Here's, here's what I love about this, because verse 8 through 11, it talks about, it talks about what, what, what the crux of it is. Jesus has, it seems to be this contractual agreement. That's what people will perceive, that, hey, this is an agreement, a handshake agreement, that if you do this, I'll do this. No. Jesus first says, remain in my love. Remain in my love. Remain in the awareness that I saved you remain in the understanding and the revelation that it's me who can help you, not the other way around. So when we come to this Christian life thinking that I need to do for God to love, we've missed the mark. There are so many messages which are great. We want practicality, but we miss the mark when we're like, okay, what can I do so I can get? No, he already did, so you already got. No. So, so you want to you wanna do more in terms of living the life that God has called you to do? Just love him more. Just stay close to him more. Watch this. Whenever you start to pray and you start finding ways to get close to Jesus, out of that, you'll be like, man, I want to give so much more next pay period. Man, I mean, the, 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 the cool stuff we talk about is cool, but I just want to give. I don't know why. Do you remember Zacchaeus? Remember Zacchaeus, lady with man in the tree? 
Bible says Jesus called him out. He said, hey, I want to go to your house today. I want to go to your house. And the Bible tells us that we don't know what happened. That's, I love it. We don't know what happened in the house. All we know is that Jesus encountered Zacchaeus. And that because of that encounter, he comes back and he says, all right, I'm about to give over what I gave. I'm about to, like, we don't know. There was no five-point step. There was none. No, no, we know that Jesus encountered Zacchaeus. And because of that encounter, outflow was more that we can do. You want to do more for Jesus? Just love him more. Fight to stay close to Jesus. Remain next to him. Do all you got to do. Friends, do all that you got to do. I've talked about it all the time. They're like, I... I have this weird thing that like the gym stirs up my affection for the Lord. I don't know why. I go to the gym and y'all, y'all think like I'm in the gym pumping like heavy metal. Like, like when I'm by myself, what a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. That, that like for some reason, Erica always says, hey, Kieran, go to the gym. You're a better Christian. That's how beautiful our God is. It's not just stuck to these things which we need the Bible. Don't, don't mishear me. We need all those things. But there are things in this world that God has graced to give us to stir up our affection for him so that in turn we will be able to do more. We will be able to give more. We will be able to be more in the name of Jesus. Cons- change is sustained by consistency. I'm going to constantly remain near him. I'm going to fight to stay close to him. I'm going to do all that I can to see how good he is in my life. Fight. Fight. Fight to stay close. And see what I like to do? I like to put it into practice just for a moment. Because maybe you're in a, in a pruning season and God is cutting some things out of your life and it's hard. And sometimes it's not an external thing, it's an internal thing. Maybe God is trying to cut some mindsets out of your life. Maybe trying to cut some, some people, whatever the case may be, there, you, you might be in a pruning season, or maybe, or maybe you've fallen, you've messed up. And he wants to pick you back up. Or maybe you don't feel, you don't feel effective in, in Jesus. Maybe you're sit here sitting there thinking like, uh, I, I'm not doing what God has called me to do, or I don't know what God has called me to do. I, I want to do more. Th- this is a practice for you. So I want to invite everybody to stand up on their feet, please, if you would, if you're able. And whether you're a Christian or not, oftentimes we, people walk into this place and they're, they're like, what, is, what do I feel? I have the goose pimples or the energy is unique. No, no, that's the Holy Spirit tr- drawing you in. So lean into that. And so I'm going to invite the team. Come on, team. I'm going to ask. Stretch your hand out. Because this is, this is, this is in this moment us fighting to stay close to him. Pushing past your feelings, trying to get your mind focused on, on him. And so the team is going to sing that, that bridge. You have no rival. And let's just sing it. And in that moment, in this moment, begin to process God. God, you're good. God, you're everything that I need. And all your issues, put it underneath God. All your problems, put it underneath God where they belong because God sits above. So begin to sing right now. Begin to declare right now. We're going to fight to stay close to him. Now, Jesus. Thanks for listening. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, would you consider subscribing and sharing it to all your social platforms? If you were moved by this message and you would love to share your testimony, please email it to amen at myrisechurch.com. I pray you leave here feeling encouraged and inspired. We'll see you next time.